Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we finally have a book with dragons. I'm Tara. <laughs> I'm Jeanette. I'm Susan. So how are you guys? Pretty good. I mean, overall, as you might be able to hear, I have a cold. I think it's the second time I have a cold in the last, like, six months now that I think about it, and it always happens during the weekend we're recording. So if I'm punchy, it's the cold medicine again. Aww. Um. So coming out with a cold, um, and I kind of bummed a little bit, you guys. I know we don't usually do the kind of book news thing, but Sue Grafton, the author of The Alphabet Mysteries, passed away last week, and I'm kind of sad about that. I really, really liked her books. Um, I've been reading her mysteries since the summer before I started college, so a really, really long time. I'm sorry. That's sad. It is sad, and she never finished the series, so... Oh, no. Yeah, so it's, like, really touching because her family put out the statement, the alphabet will now end at Y. But it's also kind of sad. It's so sad. I know, but it's just, like, they're not going to have a ghostwriter or anything, you know? And they're like, oh, there's, like, the last manuscript of the last book, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, Like they do with all the... Yeah, yeah. she was very much anti yeah. that. She like she never wanted any adaptations. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have wanted a ghostwriter. So I really love that they're respecting her wishes on that. Yeah, even though there might be you know manuscript or a draft lying around because it was due out next year. Yeah, exactly. But I love that they're respecting like, her wishes. I think it's a good like tribute and memory. You know. Yeah, so. and speaking of tribute, like my local library did uh, a um, display already. And they put it. They put it up with like a sign saying "The alphabet now ends at Y" with her photo and years. Oh my and... god! I don't even read this. It's making me <laughs> I, sad. Like I was like, I was like, this, I was is, like, this is so sweet. Like, I checked out one of her books, even though that's not what I went to the library for, just because yeah. it was just so good. Oh, um, I may, I may pick it up now. Like, I mean, you've it's... been talking about it for you know a decade or so. so <laughs> probably. probably should. Yeah. So. Um, but like in happier news, um, I got two days off for winter weather and that was nice, especially coming right off of winter break. So it was winter break and then two days of work and then two, you know, two days off. Um, and I got to read good books. So I started my year off on really good book. Oh, good. Um, book reads. So how about you guys? How are you guys doing? Well, I did not get two days off for winter weather. It's been freezing in Georgia, but um, no snow, no ice, which actually we're really not prepared for that sort of thing. So it's best. (laughs) You should see how people freak out about snow here. It's actually kind of hysterical. But I'm glad like the highways weren't shut down for several days or something while people don't know what to do with themselves. (laughs) Um, So it's just been really, really cold. Um, but I've had some really great friends drop by. Meredith came by for New Year's. Actually, she's not on the podcast. She's sick. Sorry, Meredith, feel better. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I went to DC. That actually happened. Twelfth night was great. Um, so, you know, pretty much all around really good. Mina goes back to school next week. So I become a widow once again. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but all in all, pretty good. Susan, how about you? Uh, I'm actually pretty good. Uh, we So you guys caught our cold snap, which only gave us like some harsh wind and some light snow. <laughs> so you totally got the brunt of everything. <laughs> um, Yay! <laughs> it actually, 
it, I don't it, mind. I like cold, and it's always windy where I live. You always so. like winter. Yeah, <laughs> you're so, you're such a winter person. <laughs> Fall and winter, man. That time between like September and March, that's all mine. I'll take it. <laughs> no. Um, fall. Yeah, so, I'll take the fall bits. <laughs> um, so the weather actually hasn't been per- been terrible. It's been like um, high 40s, low 50s. Um, so I can't really complain. So And then uh, my, uh, my youngest, my baby, is turning two in a few days. I can't believe she's already two. Niff. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's going to be two. Wow. So that, that's... We're that's getting really old. <laughs> I know, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is really old. <laughs> yeah. Really um, Stop emphasizing that she's turning two because Anna was born the same year that Catherine was born. Yeah. Mm. So <laughs> that's true. My, that means mine will turn two at the end of this year. I mean, I could, I could be like, oh, hey, my oldest is, you know, four. <laughs> that just makes me feel. Old. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, and uh, I'd like you, Tara. Like, I've been seeing a lot of friends. Like, I've been uh, coming to visit over this way, so it's been nice seeing friends and things like that. So it's been pretty good. Can't complain. Um, and since it's been, you know, overall pretty good, except for you being sick, Jeanette, which is awful. <laughs> Um, what books have you guys been reading in between those good times? So I have been reading. I'll take that as a win. Yeah. Yes. That is good. That's true. You've been so sad. Like every time I haven't had time to read, guys. I know. I know. Um, so I'm, I'm right now reading Thone of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. Um, How are you liking that? I'm really liking it. Yeah, I, re- I read that last year. I really liked it. I thought really you would. Really liking so. it. I'm excited to talk about it when I'm done. Um, I'm listening to What Happened by Hillary Rodham Clinton, and listening to it is absolutely 100% the way to go. Yep. <laughs> She's hysterical. <laughs> and, yep. it, um, and it just feels more real, listening to her. Um, and I just got Secret Passages in a Hillside Town by Posse, the author of the Rabbitback Literature Society, and Oh my god, I'm so excited to read it. It's like sitting on my nightstand, all beautiful and clean and not yet cracked into it. I'm like, soon. Soon, <laughs> book, soon. I'm really excited about it. Nice. So if anybody listened to our interview with um, Posse, that is the book that he was talking about that has multiple endings. And they're both in the uh, U.S. version. So, Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder how they're going to do it. I'll I'll check back in with you guys once I finish the book. Maybe it'll be like Clue. Like, it could have happened this way. Or yeah. it could have happened that oh, way. Is it going to be like a choose your own adventure at some point? <laughs> or, yeah, I'm just so curious now. So, yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> how about you, Jeanette? What about what you, Jeanette? Reading? So, I, like I said, I had a really good run of books for the first uh, week of January. Um, the first book I read of the year was Kindred Spirits by Rainbow Rowell, which oh, is, still... by the way, the perfect way to start the year. And I didn't want to do it because I was sad because that means I've run out of Rainbow Rowell. Um, but it's like, it's really sweet. And I liked it. And I could read it in a nap time. Like Aww. Catherine went to sleep. I picked up the book and read. I closed the book and she woke up. It was perfect. It was so nice and peaceful. Um, 
And the other one I just finished was Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, which, you know, I don't have to rave about because everybody else is raving about it. But, like, that one was super, super thought-provoking. Like, far more thought-provoking than I thought it would be. So I'm really glad I read that. That was really good, too. And now I am reading Quiet by Susan Cain, which is, like... Not at all the same thing as Kindred Spirits or Turtles All the Way Down. It's a nonfiction about introverts and kind of how society has kind of promoted this culture of extroversion, but what introverts can do as, you know, leaders and, you know, contributors that in some ways like extroverts can't do. And I'm learning a lot just by reading it. And I've always considered myself a complete introvert. And reading it, I'm like, oh, I think I might actually be like an ambivert leaning yeah. towards an introvert, like lean towards the introvert side. But like they differ between like introversion, shyness, and sensitivity. I'm like, I think I might just be like a shy and sensitive ambivert. Right. Like it's interesting. Um, so I don't know. I'm really, really enjoying that. And I'm kind of like, wow, a lot of this makes perfect sense. And I kind of want everybody to like read it and be like, see, there's nothing wrong with introversion or extroversion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with either. And I mean, who who said that? Um, Young said that all that sort of stuff, like the way we categorize each other and, uh, and the way we like all those, you know, Myers-Briggs tests and et cetera, et cetera. All those things are just like parlor tricks anyway. It's good to know yourself, you know, I think. It's really good to know yourself and know your personal weaknesses and your personal strengths and how you can contribute, like like what they're trying to say, like how you can contribute as a leader. But, I, I you know, there's no one extrovert. There's no one introvert. And I agree. I kind of think there's this, like, weird society built up around that. Like, oh, well, I'm an extrovert. Oh, yeah, well, you know. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. like, And, and it's and, weird. And it talks about that. It t- talks about how they took the Jungian um, model mm-hmm. and how people have been using it. And it talks about like certain places where people only want extroverts. Like they talk about how in Harvard, Harvard Business School, like everybody's basically encouraged to be in groups and be extroverted all the time because presumably business leaders need to be extroverted. And then they – kind of dissect how that's not always true and how different kinds of leaders work well with different kinds of followers and i was like well that makes sense like a good leader basically works with their resources absolutely so i mean steve jobs changer of the known world total introvert like right well Um, and that's what they say we we allow it for certain people right i was like well you know it's interesting anyway. So Also, if cool. you and I want to have a side con- conversation about Turtles All the Way Down, I have a lot of thinky thoughts about that <laughs> book. Um, and I kind of wish we were doing a side podcast about it. But um, <laughs> I definitely want to talk to someone about all my thinky thoughts. So, yeah. All right. We'll make a plan for that then. Yes. What about you, Susan? What have you been reading? Uh, a lot, actually. <laughs> nice. Um, all y'all overachievers. <laughs> no, it, this was accidental. I was... <laughs> I was actually trying to like fill my book time with some new books before I started my year of rereads. 
And it just kind of spilled over because I ended up reading like four books at one time. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is not good. <laughs> not, not helpful. <laughs> um, but I have been reading Gemina by Amy Kaufman. And I can't remember his last name, but J.K. something. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's the sequel to the uh, Illuminae. Yeah, because Illuminae is the first book in the Illuminae files. So Gemina is the second book of that. Um, I actually kind of like it more than the Illuminae files, or Illuminae files, Illuminae right now. So, um, And then I have been reading How to Raise an Adult, um, which is a nonfiction. Is that about David? Are you being <laughs> <for David? laughs> totally. Just kidding, David. We love you. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually about overparenting and how it's been very prolific nowadays, especially with um, millennials um, and mm. their parents. So it's actually really fascinating. Um, and then I've been reading American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I um, I have two hours left of that audiobook, so I'm Ooh. almost done with that one, which is so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm the first book starting off my reread. I'm reading The Hobbit. Woo! So, Woo! Uh, it's, it's pretty. It's a pretty good and very eclectic list. <laughs> it is very eclectic. <laughs> I see what you did. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! All right. So, with all the books we've been reading, which is fantastic, it's a good way to start the new year. Um, do you guys have any 2018 book illusions? Um, do you remember what your 2017 book illusion was? How'd you do? <laughs> do you not want to talk about it? <laughs> I feel like everyone already knows how I did. So. <laughs> um, my book illusion was to black out the book bingo card. Yeah. I think I'm sitting at, surprisingly, more I filled it in the other day, and I have more spots filled than I thought I did. I'm sitting still at 10 to go, and I'm definitely not going to finish that before the end of the month. So I'm going to fail that pretty hard. Let's be real. Um, So with my life being a little bit crazier than I foresaw it being, my goal this year is just to read more. Read more. I'm not trying to put too much commitment on myself. I've got enough going on, but I think my like extra little level of commitment that I am going to put on myself is that with all the trips I do, um, it's ample reading time. And I really just have been pretty much watching movies on planes and, you know, binging Netflix shows. And instead of doing that, um, I'm going to try to read one book per trip. So that's my little, very little, tiny, itty bitty commitment. 2018. I think that's a good one, though. You know, um, yeah, but to... I have the time. Yeah, so might I'll... as well use it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Netflix is fine and all, but you know, let's mix it up a little bit. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do not regret binging The Good Place. That's a great show, <laughs> and I really loved it. <laughs> but maybe I should have read while I was in Australia for a week. Just any book at all, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, one book per trip. You start small. Yeah. You build back up. Definitely. Exactly. Exactly. You know, once you get going, it sort of steamrolls. So that's what I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little push. Right. 
Nice. How about you, Jeanette? How'd you do for 2017? So I kind of broke even. Like I said, I wanted to read 60 books. Um, and I ended up reading 76, which is more than I read even um, when I was home on maternity leave. Like I that year, I only read 60 something. And I was like, ah, all this maternity leave time, I'm going to get some reading done. And I did, but not nearly that much. Um, I also said I was going to do three reading challenges again, and I fell four books short of the oh, third challenge. So close. I was trying to do the ER Mad Libs, the book bingo, and Let's See A to Z. And it was Let's See A to Z. I, I, there were like four letters, and I looked back, and I was like, what do you mean I don't have anything with like an O? <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> How do I not have an O? Can't um, you grab a graphic novel somewhere and just, well, I guess. That's what I did January, for X. So it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I did for X. I I had um, an X-Men. There you uh, go. I had an X-Men loaded up on my Kindle and I was like, well, that's going to be my X. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really thought I could do it. And then it was like a week away and I was like, nah, not happening. <laughs> so I'm going to try again to do three reading challenges again because there's only four books short. So. Why not? Nice. Um, and I'm trying to plan them out with books that I already own for the most part to s- slow down my book buying. I don't buy that many books other than when there's a library sale and for 20 bucks I come out with three bags of books. But um, I, you know, I just want to kind of get through some of these things that I own. I bought so many books this year <laughs> and I read like none of them. Aww. Yeah. And that's so the thing is like I buy yeah. them. Yeah, I buy them and I don't get around to reading them because, you know, book club books or whatever. And then I borrow a bunch of things at the library because I'm already there borrowing something else for like a book club. So I'm going to try and stick to things I own, complete my three challenges. And I set my Goodreads challenge to 60 books again. I kind of want to try 75 again this year just since I did it. But I'm going to be happy if I do 60 because my goal is to read what I feel like reading this year, not what I feel like I should be reading. Like, oh, I should read this because, you know, book club or everybody I know is reading this or whatever. Like, I want to read what I feel like reading so that I can enjoy it more. That's a good one. FOMO. I hate book FOMO. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes I read things I don't feel like reading or I read things I expect to be like something else. And it kind of ruins the experience for me. Yeah. So I'd rather just enjoy what I'm reading. So that's the goal. I get you. Nice. What about you, Susan? Uh, (laughs) Jinx. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, on that line, it's kind of what I'm doing. Like, I don't... Because, like, I don't remember 2017. Did I make book lotion? No. No, I did not no. because I don't make resolutions. <laughs> and you were like, you're like, resolutions are the worst. Yeah. None. I make none resolutions. But I guess I do, like, challenges and stuff um, just to have, like, you know, a little goal. So this year, I think I mentioned it a couple months ago, um, I, I'm doing a year of rereads. So... I'm focusing my main reads to rereads. I'm going to stick it in as much as possible. Like my local book club, I'm already going to, I plan to reread for a sci-fi book that I want to read again. Um, I started The Hobbit. Um, So I just want to reread all the books that I have been wanting to get to, but I could not get to because there's some new reads that came out or it's like a book club book that's a new read. You know what I mean? So 
Mm-hmm. Um, that is like my challenge. Just to, I also have a, I made a list of all the rereads that I want to do. So I'm just going to check off all the books as I go along. <laughs> we'll see how I do. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so like on that line, Jeanette's like, hey, I'm just going to read what I feel like reading, you know, which is really easy to do for a reread because I want to read it again anyway. I mean, it essentially takes you out of the book bingo competition, but yes. I'm good with less competition. So. <laughs> I am okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. This is, this is a little more important this year. So oh, good. Yeah. Um, and then we asked on Litzy what some of their 2018 book illusions are. And there are some interesting ones. Um, for example, Chelsea says, I spent way too much time hate reading books last year. My oh, promise. That's a good term. Hate yeah. reading. Yep. Like it. Yeah. My promise to myself is to care less about my total number of books and concentrate on books I really enjoy. So it's like a little trend going on here. Um, Drex Edit and Glasses Diamonds reading books they already own which I think you mentioned, Jeanette. Yeah. Um, and then Bookworm 526, to read more diversely than last year and to finish Dune. Um, so this, oh, interesting. You know, and then Car- Carrie Ashley says to buy books anywhere but Amazon. So I guess like shop local, small business type of things, I'm thinking. That's a nice one. Right? It's a nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I could do it more. Yep, and then Lova to not feel so guilty about abandoning a book I just don't like. So that's another really good one. <laughs> yeah, I thought about working on that one last year. Mm-hmm. I have only been able to manage it once. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, I'll get there. Once is a start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think those are great ones. All right, you guys ready to dig in? Yes. Main read time. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. All right. So this week, or this month, I, I told you, cold medicine. Anyway, this month we read Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. Um, and I'll just tell you a little bit about the book first, and then we'll get started. So in this book, we're in Regency, England, where Zacharias has recently become Sorcerer Royal, the leader of all magicians and sorcerers in the country, whose main duty is to serve England with his magic. And he has made it a priority to find out why magic is on the decline in that country. And he pursues that mystery, despite receiving pressure from politicians to, like, magically help their military and political positions. And then he's also receiving pressure from the other magicians of, of the country to step aside because they don't believe that a, free, a freed slave should hold the highest magical office in the land. So his endeavors lead him to cross paths with Prunella Gentleman, who is unusually magically talented, and she is in possession of a secret trove of valuable eggs. And of course, hijinks and antics ensue. (laughs) So what is one thing that stood out to you guys in this book? Um, So I might might be in the unpopular uh, group here, but I, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Um, so it's like one thing that stood out to me was like, I feel like I should be liking this, but I kind of don't. And it kind of bummed me out. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. It's Cause it's like, I had a lot of things, a lot of elements that I really like, you know? And I'm like, man, why don't I just, like, I don't, 
I'm not quite digging it. Like I'm not, it's not connecting with me. And that it's because, because of all these things that like I should like, but I don't, it's like really stood out to me the whole time I'm reading the book. <laughs> it's like, oh man. So I just, I couldn't shake it off. Yeah. That's okay. How about you, Tara? What is one thing that stood out to you? Uh, one thing that stood out to me was uh, there's so much in this book. Um, I <laughs> try to come up with one thing's really hard. I'm like seeing her listen to Susan. I'm like, come on, come on, Tara. Come up with one thing. <laughs> Do you make you um, talking? I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I was like, yes, talk more. Um, no, the characters are really well done. I thought the dialogue was really believable. Um, I, you know, this both bothered and delighted me. So I think it's probably the thing that stands out to me the most. But, you know, this is clearly a work that is meant to be lean feminist. But meanwhile, there is a huge amount of discussion about marriage and um, the importance of marriage. And I just think it's um, and mostly that's time specific, you know, Regency England, women alone, darker skin color. There's a lot of reasons for that um, that make perfect sense within the context of the book. But I really loved or I thought that was a really big standout to me was how ignorant Zacharias was to the realities of women. And I think in general, how ignorant that society was to the realities mm. presented to women. It's just like, there's this huge group of very magical girls and their whole lives is about suppressing that magic and getting married. <laughs> Like, okay, yeah, learn to be respectable so that someone will marry you. That's like their whole life. Um, meanwhile, the sorcerers or wizards or magicians of England are like, hmm, women shouldn't have magic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, that's useless, right, guys? Meanwhile, we barely have magic at all. Meanwhile, you go to this one school and there's more magic going on in that chapter. <laughs> like the entire book almost until the end. Well, and they're and having like, magic squabbles. <laughs> they're literally having magic squabbles. Like sorcerers, and they literally show the exact same thing happening inside the... Um, what is the academy? No. What is it called? The society. The society um, hall. And they're like, don't waste your magic on such a petty thing. Because that's how little magic the men have. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> the girls are just like randomly fighting each other's with like made up hexes and made up stuff like on the fly. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I just thought it was great how Zachary was like, you don't need to get married. And she's like, are you out of your actual mind? No, I really do, though. Like, I do for the following reasons. And they're all logical and reasonable. And it's just like, man, you have just no clue, do you? But I thought, yeah, that, that really stood out to me. Because it, it sort of ran as a theme. But, like, those two conversations, the, the magic squabbling at the, at the gentle witches school, is that what they call it? Yeah. And, yes. um, and the conversation where he's just like, you don't need to get married. You can just be my apprentice and no one's going to think twice about it. And she's like, they're going to think I'm a harlot and I need a <laughs> chaperone and I definitely need to get married. And who are you? <laughs> just just so good. Zacharias is so dumb about some things. It's amazing. In fairness, she didn't recognize that they were going to think she was a harlot at first either. No, but she did it occurred to her later. Need, it did. But she did recognize <laughs> the need for a chaperone. She didn't realize she needed one. So she was like, I'll just create one out of rags. And like... Zarkus is like, what? <laughs> Just all of that. All of that. 
that was yeah. good. So let's continue kind of on that road. And how did you feel about Prunella and Zacharias's characters overall? Um, what actually, ways were they similar, different? Did you like them? I actually liked Prunella. Um, she was almost too heavy-handed. A bit, right? Yeah. So. Um, but it, it, she evened out as you went along, which was nice. Um, she's like the just the right amount of spunk. <laughs> um, and Zachary, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure this is how the author wanted him to be portrayed. I mean, but he was kind of like a wet blanket, you know? <laughs> so in that it, sense, it like, makes more sense once you learn about the dragon eating his soul thing. <clears throat> Yeah, we're going to come back to that, too. Yeah, but it does. It does make more sense. Right. Like, once you realize, oh, he's in terrible pain all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Right, but I feel like him being in terrible pain, it just accentuated his personality and who he is. Because he was already, like, reserved and quiet, you know? Because there's some flashbacks um, to when he was, like, a secretary to Stephen. And um, I think it just kind of accentuated it because it's just harder to, like, be more stoic, I guess. I'm not sure quite what the word I'm looking for, but I feel like with the Leofric, right? Um, Leofric, yeah. yeah. Yeah, being in him <clears throat> just kind of, like, brought him down more from where he was. So so I definitely see that Leofric brought him down. Yeah. I, you know, I don't love Zacharias' character. Um you know, I think Zacharias had to represent so many things in Regency England that it left a little, like, it didn't leave enough room for him to be eccentric on top of representing mm. all these things. Right. Um, I, I do like that he was, like, staunchly very moral. Mm-hmm. That he was a good person and clearly a good person. Yeah, he was very and, like, consistent. struggled. <laughs> Struggled with what that mm-hmm. meant, you know? It wasn't like the Gryffindor idea of being a good person. I say this as a Gryffindor. Where, like, you know, you just... This is what's good, so you just do it. And you don't struggle with it. You just, like, act on your convictions. He was much more thoughtful about his morality. Um, and I did like that about him. Like, when the country does come to him and say, hey, I need you to do this spell so that we can keep this good alliance because, you know, Napoleon is bad. Um he said no, and he was, he was just like, this really, no, and you can't make me. So, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and and I like that. loyalty is to England itself. It and is I to England itself. that was really good that he emphasized, like, no, I'm not here for you. I'm right. here for us. And I'm not going to be bullied, and I'm not going to be pushed into a position. I'm just saying no. And I, and I really did like that about his character. Um and I wondered why he kept being like, again, more about him being sort of weirdly aloof with his attraction to Prunella. I'm like, well, you're single. She's single. Why are you all like, God, why? I can't like her. Why? I didn't, I didn't get it until the Leo Fair thing. Um, Prunella, I feel, is a bit heavy handed, um, but super likable. Um, she's the sp- she, like I feel like they're like well Zacharias can't be spunky so we're just gonna throw all of that into this character <laughs> give her all the and spunk. run with it we're gonna give her a unicorn a dragon and a phoenix and we're just gonna we're gonna go hard here we're gonna go hard um, and I I really liked 
Prunella for the most part. I, I thought she, without her, the book would have been extremely boring. Um, I kind of wish, I know, it, it's funny because I felt like the issue Zechariah's had with his skin color didn't transfer as much to Prunella. And I didn't, I, I mean, sometimes it did, but sometimes it didn't. I felt her path was easier and I, I didn't understand why. Maybe this is just my ignorance of Regency era England coming out. Um, so I would have liked to un- understood that more. Um, but I think their love story is basically one of those classic, oh, they're just not going to talk about it. Even though they spend all day together, they're never going to talk about it, are they? Okay. Okay. But in general, I like them, characters. Yeah, I kind of found, um, like, I liked Prunella, and at the same time, like, I was incredibly frustrated by her at first, because, like, everything she does, Mm -hmm. like, she's so impulsive, and she doesn't think through, like, consequences, for the most part. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, why would she? She's been raised in, like, this this situation where she doesn't really fit into one group of people and she doesn't really fit into another group of people. So what would she have been raised to do to fit in? Like, you know, her Mrs. Dobbany as her guardian just kind of is like, uh, well, you're just going to do whatever I want you to do. And if that means that sometimes you're with the servants, that's fine. If that means sometimes you're with the students, that's fine. And, so, like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this Prunella completely makes sense. Zacharias was harder for me because I, I, I felt like he should know more and he should be more, I guess, concerned about the situations developing around him. And then at the end, we find out that the entire time, you know, Leah Frick has been, you know, basically eating him. Mm-hmm. Um and he was saying, like, if I, I've not always been myself, you know, this is kind of why. And I was wondering, do you guys feel like Leo Frick, you know, kind of eating Zacharias impacts, like, the characterization of that character? Like, do we not really see who he is truly because of the situation? Because I liked Zacharias, but at the same time, I was like, what... Why are you so, like... I mean, I do. I, I <clears throat> There's two times where I feel like you see more of who he is as an adult, and that's in the flashback where he sees Sir Stephen dead, and at the end of the book where you see him in the garden. And he's much more animated right? in both of those scenes. Like, a lot more feeling, a lot more just, yeah, way more animated in both of those places for different reasons, clearly, because seeing your mentor slash father figure slash, you know, protector (laughs) dead is a wholly different experience than talking to caterpillars in a garden. Um, But both those, yeah, but there's more to Zachariah, like clearly more to him in those scenes. And I, I only regret that we get those at the end and that we don't get any sort of hint of that in the beginning or the end, like not even his friends are like, Hey, you know, you just seem down. Like they don't really, like no one really addresses it. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. Um, 
I mean, they but kind you, of be like, they're kind of like, you know, you're not taking these threats on your life seriously enough, but they're not straight out, you know, you're acting kind of weird. And, and again, <laughs> this may be a Regency problem, right? Like Regency England is very, you know, polite for polite sake and rules of engagement on every conversation you have are very clear. And I mean, I'll be honest, I just don't love the Regency time period. I find it really stuffy and hard to get into a character typically in Regency England. So, um, so in regards to his friends, I think the reason we see him more animated at the end is because a lot of the responsibility and a lot of the responsibilities he thinks he should have is kind of lifted because even though he wasn't possessed by Leah Frick before Steven died, like he still had that pressure on his shoulders. Like I'm black. So I need to like work harder than anybody. I need to like, make sure I do everything right. I need to make sure, and I'm adopted. I need to make sure that, you know, I make him proud. <laughs> and <I'm adopted>. <laughs> <laughs> To add on to that, and, and, I'm also adopted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, especially, you know, being raised and like oh, his nurse saying like, oh yeah, they took you in. You're kind of a charity case. So you need to be like super extra polite and be, be very thankful <sighs> of what you have. You know what I mean? Like that affects a kid. So that ends. End bit, oh, yeah. yeah. That end bit where like St- Sir Stevens, like I always remember you being such a feeling child, and you always used to ask me how I was doing. Right. I forget yeah. exactly what he said. And he and then and then Zacharias thinks to himself, "Well, the nurse told me to do that to ingratiate myself to you, but I'm not going to ruin right. it." Right. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah. So th- I mean, it, that's what I think yeah. is like. Be, like I think he's just been suppressing his emotions all this time, even before, and then it just got worse because, you know, he is completely distracted by this huge other problem that's just always around. Yeah. You know, and so at the end, yeah. I really do think the gut punches in the story come from um, where characters don't understand each other. Like in the moments where Sir Stephen doesn't understand Zacharias, like in that moment, or the moments where you know, Zacharias doesn't understand Prunella. I think there's like a lot of like just true gut punches out of those moments that are really good. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think that's the only place where there are gut punches. So, um, I was saying the other day at the, uh, IRL meeting that, um, have you guys seen the movie Ever After? Yeah, duh. Like one uh, time. Sorry. It's only one of my favorite movies ever. Gosh. Um, so, you know, I love that movie. Um, that's the Drew Barrymore Ever After Cinderella um, retelling. And there's a part in so that good. movie where the stepsisters are looking through Cinderella's mother's things in the attic. And Cinderella comes in there and she's like, um, those things belong to my mother. And one of the stepsisters turns to her and goes, yes, and she's dead. And the first time I saw that movie, I like audibly gasped. Like I was in the theater and I'm sure probably everybody else in the theater was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that woman over there? Um, well, girl, then I was a kid. But then like the second time I saw it, I was at home and I was just so outraged by that line. Like it hit me so hard that without even thinking, I just threw something at the TV. <laughs> like I had like a bottle of Coke or something in my hand and I just threw it at the TV. 
Um, and that's how I felt every time somebody um, treated, you know, Zacharias, uh, Zacharias especially, sometimes Prunella, but mostly Zacharias, w- with that, you know, well, because I would so casually just go up to him and be like, well, you know, because you're obviously a murderer. And oh, yeah. you don't deserve this position, so you should step down. And, you know, we're going to find, you know, a legal way to murder you. Just so you know. That whole thing. I was like, like every that single time, like, crazy. that's how I felt. That, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, I want to throw something. And I <laughs> never would have done that for a white magician like ever no of course not like I, that's I was so the point. angry i was so angry that entire time and like zacharias was angry but even like more like duller than i wanted him to be i'm like i want you to be enraged man be enraged yeah so yeah it, it like that kind of stuff hit me really really yeah hard i i think some of that stuff i think you're right tara doesn't hit prunella the same way like they, um, I mean, they do describe Prunella as being mixed race, but mm-hmm. they don't always address it at the same time. Like a lot of times they'll make comments about like, oh, her skin's so dark. Well, and they specifically say in a non-English way, you know, yes, like really do. specific. So I expected it because he's, I guess, dark in an English way. I don't really not sure what that means, but uh, they, 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 it means they that do they are that- familiar with him. So it's okay. Right, and they make that differentiation, but then she goes to get introduced into society, and it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Yeah, although I will say that she is going around to these, like, you know, all these social events, and it seems like she's having no luck getting a proposal, which is her main goal. So That's true. That might also be part of it. But, like... They do kind of make a big deal about, in the Prunella sense, about like, oh, well, women can't be trusted with magic, and they're so weak. And, you know, your familiars might destroy you because, you know, you're female. And that kind of stuff, when I was like, but Zacharias, you already know, like, she can do way more magic than just about anybody you know, and way better like, why are you – and you're trying to champion, like, these female magical education rights, you know. Don't you think maybe you should Well, to be fair, he does address that the whole familiar thing is, like, the big secret to being a, considered a sorcerer. And, like, sorcerers don't talk about how – they bond their familiars to them. So it's like this big, like, big mystery, right? Well, yeah, so the first he, he rule of familiar club is that you don't All he knows is his club. familiar is literally eating him from the inside. So, you know, he doesn't have that great <laughs> of a um, example to be said. No, he doesn't. But it's just, you know... I found that kind of frustrating. It was it didn't hit me quite as hard as the stuff they were saying to Zacharias, but I think they were a lot nastier to Zacharias. Like they weren't actively mm. planning Prunella's murder, so like in front of her, <laughs> little things, little uh, things. Uh, um. Anyway, <laughs> um. 
I'm going to turn back to something else you said, uh, Tara, which um, I was that you were talking about Regency England. And um, I read a couple of interviews with Zen Cho, and she talks about how she came to write the story and the things that influenced her. And one of the things that she said was that she wrote two novels before this one, and, you know, she had a hard time getting them published, and they weren't quite right. And one of them, you know, she wrote, and the whole time she was writing it, she was like, well, where are the dragons? And so she knew <laughs> that one wasn't the right one. Um, and then, she, you know, the third one she wrote was this one. And she wrote it, and she wanted it to be, you know, a certain thing. But she borrowed from the structure of Regency romances as she wrote it, even oh. though she knew that she wanted it to be, you know, this fantasy story and talk about these issues. Um, how do you feel like that help or helps or hurts the story? That explains everything I hate about this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, some like uh, it really does. Um, and I already told you I have an issue connected with the Regency characters, unless it's super well done. Um, not saying this isn't, and I did connect, but um, the other thing is that a lot of Regency romances, in my experience, borrow on this whole, well, they can't really talk about it trope, right? It's, you know, two characters in the same room, but they can't talk about things. And um, I, I really hate that. And, and maybe, maybe it's because it's just used so often these days and to such frustrating ends for me. And I, I don't know. It's just not my, it's not my cup of tea at all. So I think it hurts it personally. What about you, Sue? Do you have a lot of experience in probably more than me, hopefully more than me in Regency romances? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. Yep. Where's our <laughs> romance expert? Where's Megan? It's really yeah, funny. Right? <laughs> when I'm the one in the room that knows the most about Regency romance. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, if we're talking about, like, rom- like back in the day, historical romances, stuff like, I mean, I was reading, like, the Tudors, you know? <laughs> like, the Boleyn Inheritance. Oh, no, that like, is not Regency. No, it's not. <laughs> that's, that's where I was. I was not in Regency <laughs> England. <laughs> um, so... I don't have a lot of experience with it, but like hearing about it and t- you guys talking about it, like is this maybe why it gives some of the frustrations I have with this book, like you, Tara. Um, but I think in a way, unfortunately, it kind of helps the book. It really drives home the point of a lot of the um, prejudices and a lot of the suppression that's been going on. Um, especially with nobody really talking about it. And it's just kind of like on the down low and like hush, hush in dark corners. Um, but like, I just, but I also think that's why it feels so forced because to me, like they just, they just pound into you that this prejudice is going on. This oppression is going on. Like I get it. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> Can we, can we just move on and like make sure that this kind of gets resolved or is starting to be resolved at the end of the book? Like this is, I know this is where you're going. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I think it just made it, it was a little too forced for me and a little too heavy handed in that. Like I felt like there were, she was just kind of punching it into your head that this is a thing. This is a problem. This is a problem. It's a problem. Hey, it's a problem. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> Not to jump too far from the Regency 
conversation because I want to hear what Jeanette's expertise on Regency yeah, romances. Right? <laughs> um, I, I, but, I don't know that I got expertise, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the punching in, like the very first scene where we had the flashback of like baby Zacharias coming in to make the box birds come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like in that very first scene, there's a couple of annoying wizards who are like, oh, giving women magic. Mm-hmm. You, it's why would we why would we watch this little boy do magic it's like giving women magic i was like this is exactly what this entire book is about yep. those two lines yep. right there like the second it happened i was like that's it that's the point of this right. book is <laughs> diversity period like and i i was like so this is i i just have to like deal with these inane comments for probably a couple of chapters, and then we'll get into it. (laughs) That was literally my thought process. So so I agree. She sort of did, like, take a hammer. (laughs) was like, get it. Do you get it? You get it now, right? Yeah. Get it now. Because I totally got Um, it with, like, the first scene, like you mentioned. Like, I got it. This is is a great setup. (laughs) But But I think that, like, you know... There's a point to that. Maybe some people don't get it as much. We read a lot of feminist work, you know, to us, like, this might be pretty obvious to other people. Eh, maybe not so much. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Jeanette, I'm ready. I'm ready for your expertise. Lay it well, on me. I mean, I don't, I don't cling to any expertise. Um, but, you know, what I found in the structure that kind of helped is that there is, I mean, in general, you know, take out the fact that, you know, she's trying to kind of push these topics anyways, but these are heavy topics. We've read about both these topics before. They're heavy. They're Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. light reading in general. And I think that putting this kind of in a situation where it's fantasy and romance based helps to lighten it in some ways. Because if you think about it, this could be a really, really dark, scary, horrible novel. Mm. With, like, people conspiring in back corners to murder, you know, your protagonist and your other protagonist being thought, you know, a harlot and people trying to steal her familiars from her and things like that. Like, oh, 100%. I mean, that's why why I have some issues about whether this is fiction or YA because so many times I felt like this could have gone to a darker more sinister place and right. it, it, it doesn't and i'm like right but okay. i think that's what that structure helps to do is helps to mm. kind of lighten that a little bit because that is kind of the structure to me of a regency romance it's much lighter generally i can get through regency romances very quickly because they are so much lighter and you kind of know where things are going in a general sense like um you know, you have these two characters, they have to overcome some obstacles and then to achieve together. some goals. Eventually, they're going to get together. Where I felt like that hurt the story was actually in that relationship, that romance, because they spend so much time bugging each other. And you kind of see it more from Prunella's side, actually. Like, Prunella's like, well, you know, he's good looking, but I don't trust him. And then she's like, <laughs> he's good looking, and I trust him a little bit. Okay, he's good looking, and I trust him. It's a shame he's such a drag. And then, <laughs> like, whereas Zacharias is, like, more going, like, she's not studying enough, and she's spending time with other people, and I don't like it. 
And then, like, that's basically his line throughout the book. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he never kind of gives that explanation. Like, I don't like her not spending time with me because I don't like the fact that she's not studying or I don't like the fact that she's spending time with me. Well, she do- and- he, every time people ask him, like, how does she look? He's always like, she's extremely good looking <laughs> in, in, like, Regency but, England like, speak. In his... But not even Regency England speak. In Zacharias speak. I mean, if you think <laughs> about it, even Mr. Darcy said at one point that Lizzie Bennet had fine eyes. I mean, Zacharias was like, yeah, she's all right. Like, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, so I think that's kind of where it hurts. I think he her because, exceedingly handsome at one point. Uh, maybe. It, I, I think I, I like... I felt like they, and that's why I was kind of curious about your impression about Zacharias, because I kind of felt like Zacharias just needed to be more Mm -hmm. out there. Um, And that, that like tie it up at the end with a bow doesn't allow so much for Zacharias to be like, hey, right. Look, I've got feelings. Isn't that nice? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's literally what happens at the end. Yeah. Like, PS.com, I'm so good at not feeling things. You didn't even notice I was feeling things. But I'm feeling things. Love So, me? by the way, this is a proposal. Just so you know, I'm proposing. Oh, the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that is very romance, though, right? Like, romances have, have at they end together. That's like the, the – everything right. has to end up okay at the end for it to be a romance. Right. And that's yeah. – well, well – Generally speaking, you know, the characters have to end together. But like I said, I feel like that kind of, like, hurts the story in the sense, like, it doesn't march quite towards that bow the entire time. So the bow is a little bit sudden when it pulls tight. Mm. Um, so that was just something that occurred to me. I don't know if that makes me any sort of uh, expert of Regency romances at all. So. You've read more of them. So you're well, an hour expert. I will get you a crown. I'll get you a little hat and a sash. You are a Regency romance expert. <laughs> Congrats. I, I, I will find ones that Wear that title proudly. Like, hopefully. <laughs> Regency queen. <laughs> that sounds great. That's much better. You are a Regency queen. I dub you so. Now I have dancing queen going in my head, except Regency queen. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great staying on topic with this book, guys. Like, so great. We're amazing, okay? All right, let's talk about magic itself. Is it considered good or evil in this world? What do you think? Oh, man, that's such a good question. I think it's about people. Yeah. I don't think magic is either. I think it's people. I think that gets more complicated when I think about fairies, so I'm going to ignore fairy <laughs> for this. Because I think in general, in every book I've read in the last like five years, fairies are pretty much just the worst. And it stays that way here. Fairies are the worst. Um, but I think that magic is considered good and evil. It, it's not magic, it's the person. Um I think Mac Gingong is a great example of that. People think she's evil, but she's really good. But magic is really neither. And I mean, she does adorable things, like gives herself bat wings. It makes herself tiny. tiny. Bat wings. Mm-hmm. So tiny cute. bat wings. God, 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I really wish we'd spent more time, less time on Star Christ, more time on how amazing Mac Gingong is. Cause we agreed. Back to that. She's so great, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it's the person. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, to me, I think in this world, it's very neutral. Um, and thinking about it in the society, like to them, it's good when the gentlemen are wielding the power and then it's completely evil when anyone who's not them has magic or uses magic. Well, Susan, only gentlemen have the proper upbringing, so society training and morals to properly wield magic uh, in a good, polite English way. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Don't forget the strength. Uh-huh. Oh, women, we, we're too weak for magic, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yet. When women have magic, they fall. It literally kills them. They fall apart. It becomes a uh, mess. It's, it's terrible. Infuriating. And yet, and and don't get me on when they're on their monthlies. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Yet, Prunella gets what three familiars. With no problem. Uh, yeah, no problem. Hatches it and they immediately bond to her. It's just like, yeah, babe. Do it. Yep. (laughs) I found that a little odd. I know this is off topic from your question, but I found that a little odd (laughs) and interesting. What, that she has three familiars? No, that she has three familiars and like, so, okay, maybe like I was confusing it or, or what, but is it, was she on her period when she was getting those familiars to bond or is it because they're not really specific they're like it's something to do with her femininity I'm yeah like, what? and does she no, literally I... suckle them what's happening here they're right. really vague because they're like they, they're well, they drawn talk to about blood. blood so yeah. i assume that she has to give them some blood to eat and she and she is on her period and i think that's where she gets the blood to feed them that is okay. what I was reading. That's what I was reading into it, okay. and that's why women's magic I mean, is why stronger than men's because women. Hand? Because they make it sound like like it's impossible to do otherwise, but maybe because it's filled with, you know, hormones or whatever. <laughs> this is getting gross, but you know, <laughs> so um, hormones or whatever that like maybe that's I'm having miniaturist flashbacks. <laughs> They're like, only a woman could do this. And I'm like, really? Right. Because if I was a dude, I could just slash my hand and be like, feed, go for well, it. Well, she has three familiars. Mm-hmm. So I think he was kind of concerned that that would be overwhelming for her because that would require a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. And she was like, nah, I got this. You just need to leave the room. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I was thinking she was on her period. Yeah, I mean, that's I how think, I read that I think, too. I think that's the... All right. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and Mac Gangon does say, you know, women's magic is stronger because of the blood. And that could be why. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love when she's like, men do blood magic, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, word. <laughs> it reminds me of in Game of Thrones when What's Your Face is like, why would women be afraid of blood? Like women see uh, way more blood in their lifetimes than men ever will. Please, oh, John Snow, you familiar. know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually was very amused by that scene when she was like, "Just, just go away, go away this. now." Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, poor Zacharias. <laughs> he really, he is the John Snow of this book. <laughs> Like, ways, like for yeah. someone being so powerful, he really does know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we've touched on a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to ask another question, and then we're going to come back to Mech Gang Gong. Um, so my question is, do you think the value versus cost of having a familiar is worth it? Oh, yeah. Like, they eat your body and they eat your soul. Well, that's the deal that that familiar struck and the others struck, I guess. Well, well, in our generally experience, speaking, we've seen four familiars, and that's the deal they've all struck. To be fair, well, this is true. That's uh, gener- the general deal, is the impression that's given, is that they will they eat your soul. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you get. Yep. That's like the I mean, big to price. protect you from, you know, assassinations, and to give you your magical boost, and I mean, I, I think it depends on where you are in life. <laughs> <laughs> or the type of life you think you're going to want to lead. Yeah, I think but that's the key, Tara. Is, uh, I think generally, yep. yeah. I think probably <laughs> the people who are going to search out a familiar want that. So, yeah. <laughs> but I They mean, do good. I mean, she's about to do a whole ton of good for for English magic, so... But that goes back to the magic being good or evil. Like, it depends on the who the familiar is attached to. Right. You know? And then look at, um, crap, um, God, what was it? Midsummer? Yes. Look at this familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, the familiar was more in charge. That's <laughs> that true. <laughs> in that scenario, uh, Midsummer was just sort of along for the ride and didn't know it. <laughs> Man, how cool is the scene, though, when Penella was like, bring me her. (laughs) That looks amazing in my head. It's great. (laughs) I don't know. I I, personally, I don't think the 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 value is worth the cost. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of with Zacharias. I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is not okay. Yeah, I was right there with Zacharias. Like, I didn't really want this. I kind of just want to go (laughs) like be holed up in my study research like think of new spells not be eaten by a dragon <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like i'm right there Remember with the you days when i was not eaten by a dragon mm-hmm. those were great yep <laughs> um yeah no all right talk to me talk to me about mac gang gong talk to me about the other supporting characters because there were the supporting characters in this world to me they were really really good they were they were they were like the right amount of flushed out they were like interacting really well, you know, like they, they, especially his guy friends, um, Zacharias. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, were, they were great. They're really yeah. good counterpart. A lot. Yeah. To, yeah. to Zacharias. They even didn't balance him out really well. <laughs> Cause you know, they knew. Yeah, I, I liked Mrs. Wyatt. Wyatt. Is that how it was said? White. I thought it was white. white. I kept thinking white. All right. Well, I liked Mrs. White mm-hmm. a lot. I liked her too. Um, I thought she was just like such a nice woman. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She struck me as like someone we're talking about like Regency characters, like some of my favorite Regency characters. Because, you know, Regency women are, you know, you see them in like a certain way in your mind. And that's the way like she comes across as first. Like, oh, yeah, I'm gentle and polite. And then in certain parts, she's like, um, no, I've got something to say. <laughs> and that I was like, yeah. I was like, see you, you're the kind of lady I like to read about in these books. <laughs> like, I, you have secret depths. Yes, she definitely does. <clears throat> I think with Mac Gingong and Prunella, and when you look, 
the, the, the thing that actually does, I don't know if this bothers me or if I'm more like girl power, but um, the women are insanely more powerful. I mean, like, when you really take a look at it, like, leaps and bounds more powerful than anyone else that we see. That's like, a Zach really Rice good point. doesn't even do half the magic mm-hmm. that Mackinga and Prunella do. Right. And we're not even sure Mac has a familiar. I mean, she's just, like, killing it left, right, and center. Yeah, well, because in her country, magic's a little different, so... Right. She might and, be a different type of magician together. And then we get... And then we meet Prunella's... Well, meet. Meets. Not quite the world. Uh, we get introduced to Prunella's mother, who is also crazy powerful. And I just look at these examples, and I'm like, how did the men run anything? Like this, <laughs> they're considerably less powerful, considerably less able, um, and and I think maybe it's almost too stark a difference. Like Zacharias should have pulled off something. I wish Zacharias or Sir Stephen had pulled off something really remarkable to show. Like, all right, well, the top men can also play at this level, because as I'm looking at it, it's just so uneven, just crazy uneven to me. And maybe that's why British magic, or British magicians were like, yeah, women definitely can't do this because they cut on to that somehow. But I, I don't know. How, how do you guys feel about that? Well, that struck me as like a situation in which like it wasn't so much that I got the the sensation that these men couldn't do the things like. Like, especially we do get to see Zacharias doing magic at the beginning, so we know he can do magic. I more got the impression that they just don't. Like, you get the, especially when he first goes to um, have dinner with Damarel. They talk about how he has never, like, nobody has ever seen Damarel doing magic ever. Right. And even though he's a sorcerer, and they like they don't know how he became a sorcerer because we don't know how he's we have never seen him do magic, um, and everybody's kind of more concerned with doing magic for like party tricks uh, if they do it at all. Other than that, they're really just concerned with living their cushy lives, having you know their rent free and their meals paid for, and people treating them like they're special because they have magic. So I more got the sense, like, they didn't do magic because they didn't feel like they needed to. Like, what's the point? Like, it's just a waste of magic. We have such limited magic, and everybody knows we're awesome. Whereas, like, women do magic because they actually need to. Because they talk about women doing magic because, like, oh, yeah, well, the lower class women do magic. Like, the servants do it (laughs) so they can do their chores faster. Oh, my God. You know. Gentle women do not do magic. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got the feeling um, that men were like able to get away without doing magic. It's just like, well, we're not do we can, we just don't have to. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, Jeanette, but it was um, not only is like they didn't want to, but because they knew there was a shortage on magic that they just kind of didn't use it when they didn't need to. But I think they kept that a secret from everybody else. So the women didn't know that they tried to. Yeah. So the women didn't know that there was the, the, the shortage on magic, the girls, the students at the gentle witch school didn't know, you know, 
they're, they're mad. They want to hack somebody. They're going to hack somebody. Like they don't know that there was a shortage. So I think they just didn't have that limitation too. Well, I think some of the shortage on magic was also though, and, and this is just my impression is that it was making spells not happen. Mm. Like I felt like the men are as, at least I interpret it that the men felt that occasionally, and maybe this was just them blaming the shortage of magic, which is possible, um, said that the shortage of magic caused spells to fail. Right. You know, um, that, that that's how much of a shortage there was, was that literally things were not happening when it should have happened. And I agree. I I get that that's why we weren't seeing a lot of male-based magic was that they were aware of this and there was really no need. But there was a couple of times where Zacharias and Prunella were in some serious dire straits. And Prunella's always the one to do crazy magic. It's never Zacharias. And I, I just think one time, just to show me that you can, would have been useful for me as a reader. That's fair. Yeah, I I find that more in the characterizations of Prunella and Zacharias. Like, Zacharias was not about saving his own skin. Zacharias was like, huh, I'm going to see what is happening here. Whereas Prunella's like, no, something is happening here. We're doing something about it. <laughs> and yeah, <coughs> not untrue. So I kind of found that more within their characterization. But, you know. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. It's not all like we can do magic, but we just don't want to. And all we can't do magic because there's not enough magic. I think it's kind of somewhere in between. Because mm. they were doing some party tricks at that um, in that one scene. Right. And right. Zacharias is like, you guys are being fools. <laughs> <laughs> I do not suffer fools. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will agree that like. You know, Matt Gangon, pre- pretty cool. The best. <laughs> um, I think we're running out of time. So I'm just going to like skip down to my last couple questions, which is um, what did you think about Zacharias's decision to sacrifice himself for Sir Stephen and then to finally confront Sir Stephen about his parents? Like, he kind of goes on a roller coaster of a journey with Sir Stephen. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? It's a super complicated relationship. Yeah. As, as one could imagine, you know, he was technically still Sir Stephen's slave till he was 13. I mean, just, it, it's really complicated. And they loved him and he loved them, but he was still an other. And, you know, I think, I actually think the book handled that really, really well. I agree. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting journey. And it it is. It's very complicated and very complex. And I like, even though um, Zacharias's scenes tend to be a lot more like in his head, I liked that for this particular concept because it's a lot of feelings. They're very complicated. And I like that we can see inside his head and understand what makes them complicated. Yeah, I think if you could not see his thoughts on Sir Stephen, it would be very weirdly one-sided. Um, I So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. So. Yeah. You have any thoughts on that, Susan? Uh, no, just based, I 
along the lines of you guys. Um, I agree. It's complicated, and it it was it was really well done. I agree. Um, it didn't feel forced. He has both cheesy. his parents, kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one of them is still dead. I mean, but talking to him. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, dead, but like there. <laughs> um, but still dead. I don't think it counts. Uh, I do. I'm ca- I'm counting. If, if we literally see the character on page. I'm counting it. Like, not like one-off, like, Mirror of Ezred sort of one-off, see a character on page. I mean, he's there the entire book, so I'm counting it. <laughs> it's a gray area. <laughs> I mean, it's one for one, right? Because Prunella's parents are both dead, so really you're striking out in the middle there. That's true. Yep. Um... <laughs> Well, Cho is currently working on a second book set in this world. Do you, would you read that? Do you think it's even necessary? It's not going to be an, an exact sequel. Like, it's not going to be about Zacharias and Prunella. They will be in the book, but it's not going to be exactly about them, as far as I can tell. Right, which I think it would have to depend if it's one of the characters I liked or didn't like, or if it's someone entirely different. Um, you know, like if it was about Mac and Gon... Oh, yes, yes. I would like to read that. <laughs> um, but I, I would have to see, for sure. If it's about Henrietta and her new school of magic witches, I'm cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's about, like, the society BS, I'm not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just going to have to depend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question. Did you like it? Mostly. Like 3.5 out of 4 stars, maybe leaning towards 4, now that we've discussed it. Anna, yeah, I liked yeah. it. There's definitely people I'd recommend this book to. Awesome. Yeah, it was, it was okay. I'm, like I said earlier, like I feel like I should like this more, but unfortunately I don't. <laughs> um, but it was interesting, for sure. So. Awesome. Yep. Well, I liked it, and I'm glad I finally read it. And, um... It was kind of fun getting to talk to, it, to you guys about it. Yeah. Uh, next book on Eclectic Readers will be American War by Omar El Akkad. So tune in next month and we'll talk about that one. Oh, I'm really excited about that one. <clears throat> and if you want to, uh, you know, read our show notes, uh, go ahead and find it at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 44. Um, and guys, why don't you let them know where you can find, where everyone can find you? Uh, well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy under Rudy Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. How about you, Jeanette? Well, on Goodreads and Litzy, you can find me at J-M-T Rivera. And on Twitter, you can find me at Dr. Jeanette. T-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. What about you, Tara? And you can find me at Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy, all under my name, Tara, T-A-R-A, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. Also, guys, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And if you love us, um, please rate and review us on iTunes so more book lovers can find us, um, which is always a good thing. So, yeah. Uh, And we love reviews. We love hearing what you guys think of us. Um, I think that's it, guys. So let's shelve this until next month. 
All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.